do you think of when I talk about the Holy Spirit? When I mention the Holy Spirit, what are the thoughts that come to your head? What ideas do you have about the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're here this weekend and you say, well, I don't really understand the Holy Spirit. Is he a ghost? And you say, well, why would you say that? Well, the, the King James Version translates the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. And you probably heard that phrase, the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost Ministries or something along the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Um, I think the English word ghost is a, an unfortunate translation. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's in 1611. It was one of the better ideas they had, but uh, we call, we, instead of the Holy Ghost, most modern translations say the Holy Spirit. The other thing is, um, you may say, well, I know he's the third part of the Trinity, third person of the Trinity, but I, but I don't know much more than that. Or maybe you say, well, I've heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I've heard about speaking in tongues, so there, there's something there, right? Well, this weekend, what we're going to do is, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at who He is, what He does, and how do we receive Him. Who He is, what He does, and how do we receive Him. Um, we in the Free Church, uh, major on the majors, it's one of the things we talk about at uh, Hope and part of the EFCA, Evangelical Free Church of America, we major on the majors. That's why the series is called Majoring on the Majors. These are important doctrines. These are important statements of faith. Uh, the question we're kind of addressing is, what are the most important things that we could say is this is our foundation? And we've been talking about them. Who is God? Who is Jesus? What are, can we trust the Bible? Um, what's the human condition? Uh, who's the Holy Spirit? That's kind of what we're going to be talking about this weekend. Who is the Holy Spirit? So I want to read you the, the uh, free church statement on the Holy Spirit. And this is what it says. We believe that the Holy Spirit, in, in all that He does, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He regenerates sinners. And in Him, they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. Now, as you could see from that, as you, as you heard, that definition is pretty compact. There's a lot there to unwrap. We're not going to unwrap it all, but we are going to take a portion of it. We're going to apply it. We're going to find a little bit out more about who the Holy Spirit is. So to do that, I'd love you to turn, if you would, to, in your Bibles to John chapter 14. You say, you don't have a Bible. Well, there's a chair Bible in, in, this, in the chair in front of you. And if you turn to page 823, you can follow along with me. I'm going to read John chapter 14, and I'm going to start at verse 15. John 14, verse 15, page 823. These are the words of Jesus. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him 
because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. No, I I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, notice they're saying not Judas Iscariot, because Judas was a common name. But Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with the not Iscariot, but the other disciple with with that name said to him, Lord, are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them. And notice, we will come and make our home with each of you. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate, remember he talked about the Advocate in verse 15, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, this is during a period called the Upper Room Discourse. And we just read a passage from Matthew where Jesus is in the Upper Room. What's the Upper Room Discourse? It's merely where Jesus is in the Upper Room with His disciples, where He teaches them and He celebrates the Last Supper. That's the Upper Room Discourse, okay? And so this is like some of the last words that Jesus spoke to them. And He said, I'm going to go away. In fact, if you go to the first part of John 14, he says, I'm going to go away. And, 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 and he says, you know the way. And Thomas says, well, how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he's teaching them all these things in the upper room. These are the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before his crucifixion. So let's talk about what Jesus says about this advocate, this Holy Spirit. What does he say about the Holy Spirit here? Okay, that's what we want to look at. So the first question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, from verse 17 we find, the Holy Spirit is not a force, not a spiritual power, He's not an it, He's not a smaller God, He is a person. There's a verse in Romans that says the Spirit uh, itself, the Spirit itself, prays for our, our, our infirmities. The King James translated the Spirit itself. It's a bad translation. The reason it's doing that is Greek has three, uh, basically three uh, genders. It has masculine, feminine, and neuter. And the spirit is neuter. So uh, they give it a, they just translate it literally it. But it should have been translated the spirit himself because the spirit is a he. It is the spirit of God. He is a person. Okay, he's not an it. He's not a force. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is an exact representation of the Son and the Father. Notice verse 16. Jesus says, I'm going to give you another, comp-, you know, some translations call it a comforter. Some say an advocate. Uh, the, the, the translation that we read says advocate. There's like three or four different translations of that. We'll talk about that in a minute. The point is, Greek is an interesting language because there's, 
some people think that if you learn Greek, you get all the answers. You don't. A lot of times you just get a lot more questions. Uh, but here's, here's one way that Greek does help you. Uh, this word another in Greek. There's two words for another. One means another, kind of just another one generally. And then this word here, which means another of the same kind. It's an exact duplicate. It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's an exact re- representation. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you another advocate just like me. He's an exact stamp copy of me. Okay? The third, so the Holy Spirit is an exact representation of the Son and of the Father. The third thing is, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, this is, uh, this is that doctrine of the Trinity that is, is difficult to understand and people struggle with it. Uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are not three gods. They are one God. In the Old Testament, the Shema says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. <laughs> so, He is one. On the other hand, they are three distinct persons. It's not one God who puts on different hats, the Father's hat, the Son hat, the Spirit hat, but one God, three distinct persons. Um, now, why is that important? There was this teaching called modalism in the early church. Actually, it's still alive and well today. There's, there's at least one church in, in the town here that teaches modalism. What is modalism? Modalism just says that there's one God who kind of transforms into either the Father or the Son or the Spirit. So, you put on your Father hat, take it off to be the Son, and then you put on your Spirit hat to be the Spirit. So, you're ne- God is not three persons. He is three manifestations. Okay? Now, that's a problem. Because if you go to the baptism of Jesus, what do you see at the baptism of Jesus? You see Jesus there, bodily there. John is baptizing Jesus. And what else do you see? You see the Spirit of God coming down like a, what? A dove, right? What else do you see or hear? You hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, what kind of gymnastics do you have to take to go that? So, if that's true, then at the baptism of Jesus, you have to have, have some kind of sleight of hand to throw a dove in the air, because that's certainly meant to be the Holy Spirit there. And then you have to throw your voice to say, This is my beloved Son, even though it's Jesus standing there. You see the confusion there. But uh, there are ch- there's a church here in town that teaches modalism. It's a heresy. Uh, and that's why we, we define what we believe. We believe in the Trinity. The, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. That's always been the orthodox belief of the church. Okay? And now the Trinity is not one God and one person. Not three gods and three persons. But one God and three persons, they are distinct and know each other. They have communion with each other. They converse with one another. They celebrate one another. Uh, you know, that's important too, and I don't have time to get into it, but God was in relationship long before... You know, God wasn't sitting there saying, I'm so lonely, I've created this universe, I just need somebody to keep me company. No, God was already in an internal relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So, he didn't create us because he was lonely. He doesn't need us. The good news is, God created us for community just like he celebrates community with the Father, Son, and the the Trinity celebrates community with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. He wants us to celebrate community too. We are created for community. So, in one sense, Jesus can leave and the Holy Spirit can come. But because they are so one, when when you get one, you get them all. 
Look at this. Jesus kind of alludes to this. In verse 18, Jesus says, I, I will not leave you as orphans. I will go away and prepare a place for you, and I will come to you. Okay? Then in verse 23, it says, We will come and make our home with you. And so what Jesus is saying is, when you get one of us, you get all of us. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm just explaining what the script... If you think that I understand the, the, the mystery of the Trinity, I'm not saying that. It's beyond our comprehension. That's what I'm saying. And I'm okay with that. Because He's God and I'm not. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you're not getting some impersonal, nebulous force. You're getting God Himself, who Jesus says He won't be with you like I've been with you, next to you, He will be within you. That's what he was telling his disciples. This other comforter that's going to come won't be just with you. He'll be within you. He's going to dwell within you. And on Pentecost, they spoke in tongues because the Spirit of God was within them. It's a new thing. There were times in the Old Testament where the Spirit of God came upon certain Old Testament saints. But what Jesus is talking about is something that's going to happen to all believers. You see the privilege that God is, is, is Himself is coming to dwell in the middle of your life? Do you see the privilege that the very presence of God dwells within you as a follower of Jesus Christ? So when, it, when the Bible tells us to be filled with... Here's, what, here's where, where, the, where we struggle, I think. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. You go, okay, we think of it as a liquid, right? We, we, we think of it as, as a gas or something. And you say, okay, I'm a little low, top off the tank, right? Give me a little more of that Holy Spirit. Fill me up with the Holy Spirit, you know, because I'm a little empty. I want like three gallons or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we need, right? But that's, but that's not understanding what the, the being filled with the Spirit is. To be full of the Holy Spirit, uh, the full of a person is different. The question is, are you aware of His presence? Would you, would, let me ask you this question. If you knew that you were going to be with somebody all week and, and you wanted to impress them and they were a pretty important and they didn't leave you alone for a moment, would your behavior change? Would it be a little different? That's the point of the Holy Spirit. Now, that could be you know a good thing for you because it's comfort, it's encouragement. Or it could be a bad thing because you go, okay, now I've got to watch what I say when I'm driving and somebody cuts me off and when I get angry and when I get upset. Uh, you know, okay. You understand, there... That's what it means. The point of the indwelling Holy Spirit is that you're full of Him. And, and the question is, how is He impacting your life? We're going to talk about that in a minute. So, that's who the Holy Spirit is. What does the Holy Spirit do? Now, I don't have time to go in because I could do a whole series on each one of these, and I don't have time to do that. But let me just give you a few things of what the Holy Spirit does to a believer, to a follower of Jesus Christ. First thing is... Uh, it says uh, in verse 16 that He will be with you forever. Now that with you, again, we have... The only... Again, you go to the Greek and... In English, we have you. Now, in, in the South, they have y'all. <laughs> okay? Well, that's what it's saying here. Y'all. It's not saying you, singular. It's saying y'all. You know, it, so what He's saying here is that He joins us together. You is plural. That He says He will be with us. In other words, what He does is the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ, but He also unites us to one another. He brings us together. The Holy Spirit unites the church. 
We are now brothers and sisters in Christ by the Holy Spirit. He puts us into community. It doesn't matter what our race is. It doesn't matter what our temperament is. It doesn't matter what sex we are. It doesn't matter anything about us. It, what it matters is that we have the same Holy Spirit. And that's why you can go to China and you can meet somebody who you don't even understand their language, but you feel a kindred spirit because they have bowed their knee to the same Jesus that you bow your knee to. And if you've ever done that, it's a, it's a powerful moment when you know that there are other Christians who love Jesus as much, if not more, than you, and they are totally different than you, but they know Jesus. And you're brothers and sisters with them because the whole same Holy Spirit dwells within them, dwells within you. You're tied together spiritually. It's an amazing thing. Secondly, He seals us forever. Once the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will live forever beyond the grave. Death no longer has a hold on you. Paul says this, and I don't have this verse up, but write it down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. This is what Paul says. The Spirit, speaking of the Spirit of God, is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He has promised that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we could praise and glorify Him. In other words, what he's saying here, Paul is saying is, God did not give you the indwelling Holy Spirit to, for a period of time that he's going, we're renters or it's a temporary situation. He is saying the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell within you and He is a seal. He's a promise of the, 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 of the day, one day, where you will be with God. You're living that out right now. So He seals us forever. Number three, He guides us into the truth. And he does this in a number of ways. Uh, verse 17 and verse 25 and 26, it says this. Jesus says, He will remind you of all that I have spoken. He will teach you all things. Now, here's what, here's what we talked, uh, we were talking about the Bible, we talked about the inspiration of the Scripture. And we said, well, how did the disciples know what to write down and were, they, you know, were there errors and stuff? What what Jesus is saying is when the Holy Spirit comes, He is going to help you remember what I taught you. So that when you record it, it will be perfect. He's going to bring these things to your mind. He's going to direct you. So Jesus taught them for many years and the Holy Spirit reminded them of what Jesus had taught them. And as you read through the Gospels, you, you see the, the disciples kind of make that Make that, uh, make some comments about, you know, I was reminded of this. I remembered this. So Jesus essentially is saying, when you record the teaching of the New Testament, it will be truth. He will guide you in recording the truth. So he's saying, the New Testament is just as inspired as the Old Testament. It will be remembered accurately. So that's the, the, the uh, inspiration and illumination. 1 John says this, uh, page 942. But you will receive the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as He taught you, 
remain in fellowship with Christ. Now, he's not saying this. He's not saying that because you have the Holy Spirit, you have now just become a biblical theological scholar. And you don't need any teachers. You don't need to read any books. You don't need any study because you've got it all figured out. I know you. You do not have it figured out, people. I know some of you, and you do not have it figured out, so don't take it because that's not what he's saying here. What he is saying here is, you will know it to be true. Here was my experience. Maybe it was yours. I grew up in a certain tradition. And uh, when I uh, gave my life to Christ, I was a senior in high school, and I went, the first church I, I went to, uh, when I out of college, I, my first job, I went to a, a small uh, Baptist church. And I walked in and I thought, I don't think this is legit. There's no altars. There's no statues. There's no stained glass window. I don't even know if there's a cross. There's no crucifix. I don't know what to think about all of this. And then they got up and they sang some songs. They said, well, those songs are okay, but they're not the songs I used to sing. But here's what happened. The pastor got up and he took the Word of God and he started to teach it. I said, well, I don't know about this church, but I know this. What he said was true. In my heart, I knew it. And that's what the Spirit of God... The, the light goes... When, when, when the Spirit of God comes into your light, uh, a light goes on, boom! All of a sudden, the coin drops and you see things that you never saw before. I have done countless... Well, not countless. I could count them, but I don't want to count them right now. Um... See, there's a mental thing going on all the time. My head is just kind of going crazy. But I've sat in a number of Bible studies where people say, why wasn't I ever told this before? I never saw this before. Why don't... Why? And, and they get really mad at the church you know, that they might have been part of or the pastor. And I just say, here, time out. Before the Spirit of God came in your, your heart, you would never have seen these things. The reason you're seeing it now is because He's opened your heart. He's opened your eyes and He's given life to your heart. You now see it because you're alive and you were dead before. That's what's going on right now. The Spirit of God is illuminating the Scripture. And now you see it and you know it's true. And you see things you never saw before. And they, 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 they speak to your heart. They're spiritually discerned. Now, to people who are on the outside, they think it's just absolutely nonsense. You Have you ever tried to explain when you get it and you see it and somebody does it and, and you try to explain it to them and you try to help them and they just say, oh, well, that's nice for you, but I just it's kind of, well, it's not for me. And they're basically saying, you're a nut job and uh, that's okay. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.18. You don't have to turn there. Write it down though. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Did you see what he just said? To those who are headed to destruction, who haven't been illuminated by the Holy Spirit, who don't see it, maybe they see a cross and they wear a cross, but they don't get the significance of the cross. They don't get that He gave His life for you on the cross. They don't get that it's the only hope uh, for salvation, that Jesus is the only way. They don't get that. But for us who get it, we know it's our only hope. It's the only way of life. It's our only chance, right? 
That's what Paul's saying. Until the light goes on, you can't see it. You don't understand it. Notice in verse 21, he says this in John. We will show ourselves to them. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't just bring the truth of God to your mind. He doesn't just do that. God becomes real in your heart. We have this powerful presence within us that calls out, that woos us, that guides us. This is the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to tell the story really quick. This is how it works. I'm going to give you an example from my life. You might think I walk around and the Holy Spirit just kind of, we have this conversation. It doesn't work that way with me. I don't know about you. But this is how it worked two weeks ago. So about two weeks ago, I had, we had a storm come through. Lightning hit a tree in my neighbor's yard. Big tree. The tree, you, you couldn't have dropped the tree any better in a sense that it didn't hit a, the garage, didn't hit the power lines, didn't hit their house, didn't hit my house. Fell in, you know, a good portion of it fell in my yard. The big tree. So I wake up the next morning, or actually Carol does, looks out the window and says, oh, that tree came down in the yard. And I look and I think, that's my whole backyard. That's a big tree. And I'm going, oh, no. Now, I don't, there are times, and I know it's hard to believe, there are some times where I kind of go, oh, no, what am I going to do? You know, get, you, you get going, you know, your heart gets worried, anxious, angry, whatever, you know, you just, it just kind of goes off, right? But I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So, uh, that was on a Friday, and so uh, I uh, worked most of Friday trying to cut the tree up. And I mean, it was all over. I had piles. I had wood all over the yard. I just don't know. How, I don't know how I was going to get rid of it. And I just said, Lord, I'm just not going to panic. I'm just going to. Well, and I don't really have the mo- you know extra money to throw at that right now. I don't really want to do that. And so, uh, you know, I just I was I don't know. I just was calm about the whole thing. So Sunday, uh, I was praying about it. I talked to a couple people here, and I said, hey, would you come over and take a look and see what, you know, what it might cost? I got home. And we, Carol and I were just finishing lunch, and I was sitting in the living room, and we were just finishing lunch. And, oh, by the way, so the, the house next door, a couple, couple things. When a tree falls in your yard, if no one's there, does anybody? Know? No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. But... When a tree falls in your yard, unless it's diseased and you tell the owner, hey, that's a diseased tree and it's going to fall, you better take care of it, and they don't, and it falls in your yard or in your house. Or if they try to cut it down and they cut it wrong and it runs in you, if, if, if it's a, an act of nature, which this was, then whatever falls in your yard, maybe you don't know this as a homeowner, whatever falls in your yard, you're responsible for it. And for the damage it does, your homeowners is responsible for it. Well, I Googled that and found that out. So the level of panic didn't go up, okay? But I'm going, okay, this is on me now. I can't say to the guy, it's your responsibility, because he'll just say, well, no, it's not. It's in your yard, sorry, but it's not. So um, the house is rented, both the upstairs and downstairs. Tried to get a hold of uh, the people there, because I hadn't really met the owner. And uh, so I... Uh, I didn't know how to get a hold of the owner. So I've been trying. I thought, Monday I'll try to get some tax records, maybe get a phone number, try to call them. And uh, we're finishing lunch Sunday. All of a sudden I hear a chainsaw. I'm going, 
I think that's next door. I should go out and see what's going on. So I walk out there, and this guy's going crazy with a chainsaw. On, and he, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's got this big trailer and his big truck, and um, he's just cutting this tree up. And and finally, I tap him because he's got you know the things head headphones on, you know, to protect your hearing. And and I introduce myself, and he says, "Hey, sorry about the tree. Um, we'll we'll get it all cleaned up." I said, well, I'll come out and help you. I called my son. We'll get it. We'll get this all loaded up. We'll get this all taken care of. We'll get the stuff in your yard and take care of it. Now, he didn't have to do that. So here's the, here's the part where the Holy, the Holy Spirit was kind of just saying, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. Okay? So maybe you go, well, that's such a little thing. Why are you talking? Okay, here's, here's, the, here's the funny part, the amazing part. So the guy says, I said, well, I was going to look at the tax rolls, try to get your number. And he says, well, we just disconnected a week ago. If we don't have a phone. You wouldn't have found my phone number there. He says, actually, I was just coming in and trimming the hedges. He came around and said, whoa, the tree fell. You know. And so um, he says, oh, I should give you my card in case something else happens. He hands me the card, and he's a logger. He runs a logging company. And I, I said to Carol, I said, here's his card. And she says, he's a logger. And I go, yeah, he's a logger. And it was like God was saying, the birds don't have barns. The flowers are there one day and gone the next. I know the number of hairs on your head I know when a tree falls. And oh, by the way, the guy next door, he's a logger. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. So when I look back, I said, there he is. There's the Holy Spirit saying, don't panic. i got a plan here. Okay? So, anyways, that's how it worked for me. Number four. The Holy Spirit pleads our case. Jesus says you'll have another advocate. Now that word advocate is perikletos. It's a difficult word to translate. We don't really have one word that works in English. So our translation was advocate. Some translations use helper, counselor, comforter. You know, that was an odd translation. The King James, I think, used comforter. Well, what do we think of comforter? We think it's that little blanket that we, you know, the blankets. We all have comforters. And, you know, we're going to wrap ourselves up with the Holy Spirit or comforter, right? Um, but... This is a rich Greek word, and uh, it conveys all of these meanings. Basically, what John is saying is that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate friend. Now, what's an ultimate friend? The ultimate friend, the Holy Spirit, is always with you, and He's always for you. He's always with you, and He's always for you. Okay? And that's good to know that you have that. And then he says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So now, uh, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, I want to close with a couple thoughts here. In your heart, you have a debate going on. And some of you are over here and some of you are over here. And what I mean by that. Your heart wants to condemn you. 
your heart wants to condemn you. Now, how does your heart condemn you? It does it in two ways. Number one, your heart basically wants to tell you you're okay, that you're not that bad. That whatever you do is, you could find somebody who does it worse than you. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit says this. Don't downplay your sin. Don't deflect your sin. Don't shift your blame. You, you're, you're blind to your own weaknesses. The, the, the Holy Spirit re- calls you to take ownership of your sin, to, to take responsibility, to repent. Uh, he doesn't allow us to live in sin. He says, you belong to God, you belong to me, and I'm not going to allow you to live that way. And he convicts us of sin. That's one thing we need to hear because some of us are kind of loose and loosey-goosey with the truth. And we, 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 we're very hard on others, but we're very easy in ourselves. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, wait, what are you doing here? Don't blame that person. Don't shift blame. Don't take responsibility. The other part of it is the Holy Spirit basically counteracts what the heart says to us because the heart, sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. We say, we're not, I'm no good. I'm a piece of garbage. I'm nothing. I belong. To, and and what, the, what is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit says, no, you're his son. You're his daughter. You're adopted. You're a child of God. You are valuable. And the Holy Spirit helps us in both of those. Um, the, the Holy Spirit tells us you're loved. You're accepted by the Father. Uh, and the Holy Spirit says you don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove yourself because Jesus already did that for you. And so those are the two battles. So some of you are really hard on yourself and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and say you're a son, you're his daughter, you're accepted. You don't have to work for it. And some of you need, I need to be convicted. I need to take responsibility. I, I'm too loose. And the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does to our heart. Only the Spirit can stop the condemnation of our hearts. Well, how do you receive Him? Let me close with this verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12-14. through 14. God's promise was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Notice what He says in verse 14. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The minute you cross that line of faith, the minute you call upon the Lord, you don't just have the Holy Spirit with you, you have the Holy Spirit within you. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I don't have time to go on. But the Bible tells us that we're to walk in keep in step with the Spirit. And how do you do that? You... Take in the Word of God because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the Word of God. You listen to the Word of, to the, to the Word of God, but you also listen to the Holy Spirit. See, my example of the tree is just an example, and it doesn't always work that way. I, I fail more than I, than I can tell you. But that was one time that I didn't get all freaked out about it. I had a calmness that I could only attribute to the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. I had that. But I had it because I, had the, I allowed the Holy Spirit to guide me during that period of time. That doesn't always happen. But that's just an example of it. So, the good news is this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you. Walk in the Spirit this week. Listen for His voice. Look for His presence and power in your life. Because He's there. 
Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, thank You for bringing Your Holy Spirit not just to us, but that He dwells within us. Thank You that He's the greatest friend that we could ask for because He's always with us and He's always for us. Thank You that He understands the battle going on in our heart. Some of us are just very condemning of ourselves. We can't, keep, we can't even look up to You because we feel like we don't deserve it. And we don't. May the Spirit of God show us that we are sons and daughters. We are loved by You. Some of us need to deal with the sin in our life. We're downplaying it. We're shift-blaming it. We're not taking it seriously. The Spirit of God is calling us to, to repent. May we repent of our sin. May we follow the path, the leading, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we walk together this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.